the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. You do get tired of winning. People say, oh, you never get tired. You do. You get tired of winning. You get tired of winning easily. You actually want competition in the end. You want to have to work Subscribe for it. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. A very good morning to you. It's Wednesday, the 14th of June. You're very welcome along to OTBAM, the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. You can, uh, of course, text that number if you want, but you can also get us at Off the Ball AM on Twitter or subscribe on youtube.com forward slash Off the Ball and leave a comment there. Shane, good morning to you. Morning, how is all? Kathleen, good morning to you. Morning, morning. Where do we want to start today? I, I do want to start with how uh, at Christmas I remember looking at the Rook of Ireland fixtures and thinking that Greece game in away in June is so far away and now it's like I just heard you reading at the 14th of June there and I was like oh, lads what so yeah I'm having an existential crisis over here at how fast uh, time moves on but anyway sorry time is going seriously quick at the yeah, moment the Greece game is upon <clears throat> us all of a sudden it's a flat circle yes it's a construct of human perception <laughs> even that's like three weeks until I fly out to Australia for the World Cup Jesus. Which is insane. I was like, oh, that's so far away whenever we beat Scotland. And <laughs> now it seems very, very close. Mm. And I get more and more sick about the opening game the closer it gets as well. So that's fun too. <laughs> sick because? Just nerves. Because I just don't know how we're going to perform on that sort of like international stage. You know, this team has never performed in front of that many people on such a like high profile, high intensity event. And obviously with Australia being hosts as well, it, adds an extra sort of layer to their performance you know are they going to be able to handle the pressure it's just a hard one we, we assessed it on Quigig this week and we looked at all three matches and like all three teams and what we actually expect from them and it, in some ways we've almost focused too much on Australia because it is that opening game and forgot the fact that we have to play Olympic champions straight afterwards but yeah just nervous uh, it's, it's the unknown I suppose that's the thing and not excited as opposed to nervous like the overriding thing is nerves uh, probably overriding is more nerves and excitement at the moment, which is strange. I don't know. I, there's part of me that's like, oh, if I was at home, would I be more excited because I would just be looking forward to watching it with like friends and family and stuff. Whereas being over there, I'm like, you know, you're working on it. You have to like tournament life can be kind of tough as well. And especially the fact there's a lot of travel involved and stuff. I think that's probably been to the front of my mind more so than the football the last while. Um, but I'm sure once I get over there and I kind of get into the atmosphere and remember the fact that half of Australia is made up of Irish people anyways. <laughs> the pressure's almost off at your first World Cup. I, I almost feel, and hear me out, I almost feel like Australia scoring within the first 10 minutes is the best thing for <clears> us. <throat> like as in all the pressure, all the weight of expectation on the tournament, all of a sudden goes out the window when you fall behind in the first game. You're like, Traditionally, okay. us scoring first in the first game of a major tournament is good for us. True. Historically speaking, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say no to a to an Irish. Think they've scored too early there. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, yeah so. I don't know. We've we haven't done that badly when we've gone down by a goal, but I just feel like the mentality aspect is going to be the thing that Spear is going to have to get very right. And I don't know how much you create that if you're between Abbottstown, UCD, and Tala for the next, you know couple of weeks mm. but, you know, uh, they're all very close what, what, what sorry what, what's, what's the problem 
No, but that's no as an ad, like how do you replicate or how do you kind of get people in the headspace for? Well, they're hanging out. They all seem very relaxed. Everybody seems happy. People people are signing new deals and and uh, getting new contracts. And there's a no. Well, that's that what I mean. You're going from the complete familiar of those like three relatively smaller places to like flying halfway across the world to play in front of eighty thousand people. You know, like. That, I'm just saying that how how are you building that mentality? I, I'm curious to see how Vera does it over the next couple of weeks. I mean, we'll be hopefully speaking to her on Friday and if not, early next week. So, Well, they've managed so far to get up for all the stuff they need to get up for, right? Yeah, but uh, different story, this. Like, we've never been in a major tournament Positivity, before. come on. Let's get positive here. <laughs> we're, we're closing down on it. Five weeks, is it five weeks, you said? Uh, yeah, until, so... First game. First game's the 20th, so yeah, we're six days out from the 20th of June. Mm. And Shane, what are your nerves like for the uh, game in Athens? Uh, do you know what? I, f- I fancy Ireland, and, and that seems like a strange thing to say, because <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> Positivity, <laughs> yeah, Shane! <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I, Greece did well in their Nations League group, um, but I think it's too... <laughs> Greece like to keep the ball a sim- almost in a similar vein to Stephen Kenny, from what I hear. Um so it, it'll be a fascinating battle between two teams but I, I like to hear how much they're talking about how acclimatised they are to the weather because that was a concern I think when you saw the, the away fixture to Greece you're like oh this is going to be tough from a heat perspective um, but they've done the whatever it was four days in Bristol they took a week off with their family and now they've had nine days in Turkey in, in fairly significant heat so uh, they're acclimatised to that by now you'd imagine um, and, and from a team perspective I mean they're they're raring to go like John Fallon got me excited yesterday when he said and all it took was him saying Evan Ferguson was, was looking sharp and I just went, went with it you know um, I just spoke to Dennis Irwin yesterday the Aviva and he's reasonably optimistic as well um, and of course we ended up talking about Evan Ferguson but I, I'm optimistic I think, I, think we can get a, I think we can get a win but I'd absolutely take a draw We are obviously coming off a different run of form to, to Greece who as you say topped their group now that their group was a tier below our group, but it wasn't particularly mm. different in terms of quality. They had Northern Ireland, Kosovo, Cyprus. That was it, I think. Was it a, a five-team group? Yeah. And yeah. you would expect them on paper to top that top that group, but at the same time, you have to go and do it. Yeah, exactly. Look, there's no way of undercooking this. It's the most important game of the Kenny era. There's a lot riding on it. If we get beaten, it's a really long way back from there. For, I mean, look, this, this group, I don't think was ever going to be... Um, our pathway to qualification really but you need to see improvement in results we've seen improvement in performances but we haven't seen it convert into uh, points and Mm. an outcome where everybody's going okay I I see what you're trying to do and I see how it's effective now I personally think it is relatively effective given that we haven't had that much quality in the team we've got slight improvement in quality in the team at the moment yeah Um, also the the Greece because of that um uh, those results in the Nations League they've, they've already secured a place in the playoffs for the Euro 2024 so it technically doesn't matter then if they finish above us so pressure uh, you can look at that too as pressure's off them um, or their their motivation maybe isn't as high as Ireland so there is that um, and you can interpret that whatever way you want but I, I'm excited like I was listening to Gus Poyet during the week and he was he was referencing John O'Shea of course a member of the Republic of Ireland backroom team and he said John was John is a future Irish Irish manager if he keeps going because he he was his captain. When Poyot came into Sunderland, they were in absolute turmoil. I think they had 14 or 15 new players. They had one point from seven games early in the season, and O'Shea was club captain, and he said O'Shea just sorted him out and was his go-to guy. Uh, so he was full of praise for, for Ireland's backroom man. Um, 
But in any in any massive and Stephen Kenny referenced this in any massive Irish qualification campaign, there's always been big wins, away wins against these types of teams: Cyprus or, or uh, Georgia, Armenia. Teams of this kind of Guys level. Greece are vastly superior to those teams, and, and as was evidenced by the fact that they just won a group with them. But go on. I, I, but I think, well, I, I'd argue that Greece are, are probably similar to, to maybe Georgia and Albania, maybe that, that year, and Armenia. I, I don't know if they're much far further above that. I, 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 look, Did they not have the top scorer in the Eredivisie? Yeah, look. A player at Liverpool? We have a man banging in goals in the Premier League. It doesn't mean, as it, you know. Well, we, you know, we've got one player who's played 15 games in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Who were getting we had, we had a full match there where we had no players at all playing in the Premier it's League. It's true, it's true. I, I just think you, you need to be winning in a way, big away game like this to, to really have a, a push with the team and to, to go for qualification. Like, and Stephen Kenny will know that. The Gibraltar game all of a sudden on on Monday, if you if you lose this game, becomes it's must win and, and Ireland will probably win that match at home. But yeah, it's must, it is must win any, either way, no matter what happens. Yeah. It just adds pressure, doesn't it? Um, I think Kenny was referencing the, the two goals we scored against Latvia recently, where you had 26 p- uh, passes in the build-up to one of them, 20 passes in the build-up to, build to another one. So at least there's there's something that's happening with this Irish team, and they're scoring goals that we haven't been used to maybe them seeing. Um, but does, does a loss on Friday change anything for the rest of the qualification period? I know that the not in terms of like the actual like obviously a loss affects the rest of the qualification period, but I mean in terms of like. It depends on the on the loss, really, doesn't it? Does it I was just going to say that though. People have been saying that. Does it does it matter? Like the Sorry. nature of the loss. If it's one nil. It's tight. We've played really well. I think there's devastation. Well, if it's three nil and it's comprehensive and we don't show up, you know, if we look tired in the heat, even though we've done all our stuff. So we're ranked 49th in the world, and uh, Greece are ranked 51st. Mm. So there's like 52nd rather. Uh, so like there's a hair's breadth between Ireland and Greece. I, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be making us favourites to. Um, and, and a lot of those players went weeks and weeks without f- playing football until they got together in Bristol. Yeah, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? At the end of the season, I can't tell because like they've obviously played a gazillion games to get to this point of their careers, and is a month and a half out of action, or three months out of action, or eight months out of action in some cases. Is that a disaster or is it like no big deal? Does it leave them refreshed? I think it very much depends on a the players individually and also the team itself and how they're being managed like it, I don't know you look at the GA example a lot of people said that the break did teams like Mayo good you might say the result after that said it didn't do them all that well but you know I think it it's such a hard thing to quantify unless you're in with those players every single day to actually know how much it has affected them and even if they come out and don't play great on Friday, I don't know how much of that can be put down to having a break. I mean, we keep saying that we need to give players more breaks anyways. so It's it's one of those things, I think, that they have enjoyed being in the hotel and the camp together. Callum O'Dowd referenced that during the week. It almost feels like tournament vibes in the build-up to this Greece game, where they're having a lot of time together, a lot of downtime together, playing, I don't know what they're doing, in the, in the they have a pool table or whatever in the hotels, but it, it's probably a good thing for them that they've been in this little camp in the build-up. I mean... It's, it can only improve your focus and concentration when you have nine days in a, in a warm weather experience before a, a big match like this. Yeah, we're talking ourselves into all sorts of... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I thought it was been interesting like, just reading the different interviews though, coming out for players. Um, like Troy Parrott was in the paper today. Uh, Callum O'Dowda, Nathan Collins was in yesterday. There's been a couple of others as well. There seems to be a kind of introspectiveness or something to this to a couple of the players and the way they're talking because like a lot of them either haven't had great seasons or you know maybe their contract situation isn't all that certain or they've been suffering with injuries 
and I don't know, there's just been reading some of the interviews they've been given, there seems to be a maturity or a, an acceptance of where they're at, but also a real want to push on. And I'm not saying that's necessarily going to reflect right now for like the Greece game on Friday. I just, I don't know, is that an, a byproduct of the fact they've been in this camp with Stephen Kenny and whatever he is saying to them? Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was an interesting trend throughout all the stuff that's been coming out from the team. Yeah. Generally, there's like one or two people that kind of come out and they're a bit like jokey or having the crack, whereas all the interviews seem quite um, reflective of where players are at for different reasons. Yeah, I think that that's the key point there that you made about them um, coming back from injury or out of the team. Like At the start of the year, we thought Nathan Collins was going to be you know, contending for a move to a con- to a contender. And instead, he's not in the team. Um, and Troy Parrott was obviously clearly upstaged by Tom Cannon, who would have been in the squad if Tom Cannon had decided he was Irish, I think, ahead of Troy Parrott and if things had gone a different way. So, um, you know, Parrott's talking about getting back to Spurs and trying to impress Ange and how he's a Celtic fan and how that really is still his intention. And then they list off all the clubs that he's been on loan and he just hasn't done enough. Like, he's, he's not a Premier League striker. He's not of Premier League quality at the moment. That's not to say that... He can't get some of that maturity into his game and become more aggressive and more ruthless and create better chances. But it just hasn't happened for him yet. So maybe Ange sees something in the way that only Ange can see. Mm. And he he finds a role for Troy Parrott. But um, it's getting squeaky bum time in terms of, you know, his his career. So uh, he could do with a a good showing. yeah, uh, uh, the likes of a Michael Obafemi as well. Like I was kind of saying yesterday, I'd prefer to see if it is a choice between Mikey Johnston and Michael Obafemi. I would like to see Mikey Johnston given an opportunity. Um, like he's just is that lively player. He, I think he's still playing his club football in Portugal. Yeah, uh, with Victoria and used to the heat I don't know if that that's probably not something that they take into account Shane you're very concerned about this heat I, I, I just know as someone who asked who, who had to play in heat in a, in a cup final in Monaghan a couple of weeks ago it's not easy and I'm not a professional footballer so these lads are more used to it um, but if a player is used to the heat then throw him in like why not well maybe maybe he comes on for the last 20 minutes yeah. he seems more like effective this. as a as a bit part player at the moment um, I'm, I'm trying to be positive I'm looking at uh, Greece's results here so from the last couple of years uh, the World Cup qualifiers like drew with Spain away 1-1 uh, their home record is quite good like they beat Sweden 2-1 at home they lost away then in Athens with 10 men um, they only lost at home 1-0 to Spain in, the, in that qualifying campaign as well uh, and then the North when uh, when they went to Greece they lost 3-1 so I don't know but then again their last match was the 27th of March Greece at home 0-0 draw against Lithuania uh, in a friendly match so that's a similar enough result that we would have achieved it at home against Lithuania didn't we draw one all with them so we are very much on a par with them. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's this is a toss of a coin game. Although they're mad favourites, we're they're slight, they're touching evens, and we're nearly as big as three to one for the game. Right. So uh, big outsiders for this, and uh, we'll get Billy Perth's team at around about eight fifty this morning. And here's what's coming up between now and ten o'clock for you on OTBM. If you've any thoughts on this, by the way, you can leave a comment if you want. Uh, so coming up, we have Tommy Rooney's power rankings at eight o'clock. We'll bring you the sports pages at 8.35. Uh, one JD, please, with John Duggan and Virtual Insanity. And news breaking that Jay Monaghan is um, not currently the CEO uh, running day-to-day operations at the PGA Tour after a medical condition. As I said, Vinny's coming in at 10 to 9. We've got deal or no deal at the start of the transfer window, officially open today. Um, at 10 past 9, um, we're going to play out with Dennis Irwin, I think, are we? Uh, no, Gab Markoshi. 
Right. <laughs> he's trumped him. He's trumped him. He's only an Irish legend. Like I was a little bit star, not starstruck. That's the wrong word. But Irwin is one of those players when I was younger. Like when you have a fullback that takes free kicks and penalties, just adds a little bit of mystique and intrigue to the whole thing. Oh, it vastly improves his uh, his value to the team, and yeah. everybody appreciates him much more. He said that I was asking about the penalties thing and and free kicks. He said you have to naturally be good at free kicks, and he was. Like he practiced them, of course, but he was naturally good at them. And then when it came to penalties, he joined the club when Steve Bruce, of all people, was kicking penalties for United. Uh, Cantona came along, and then after that, um, like Teddy Sheringham, when he signs for United, is given the penalties, misses his first three, and then Erwin wow. is. Uh, Ferguson just says to Erwin, "It's it's you." Like so, sorry, I shouldn't have shouldn't have cheated on you with him, but you know he, he's very posh. Yeah, and he's very glamorous. Yeah, we'll try Teddy. And for like you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but what a player. Um, like I don't know if un- underrated is the word you use for well, for Dennis, but so underrated is overrated is the yeah, cliche, right? Possibly. Uh, and what were you talking to him about? Uh, we, like we we discussed a lot of things. So that obviously it's a tough week for for Dennis Irwin as a you know a United fan with the the treble um, being trumped by Manchester City. Um, we possibly have a clip of of Irwin talking about Evan Ferguson here. So uh, of course we had to ask him about Evan Ferguson the week that is, um, and and of course John O'Shea's comments on our roadshow recently. Uh, cropped up so uh, this is a, a short clip of Dennis Irwin talking Evan Ferguson uh, given it's the week of the, the Greece uh, game as well this Friday for the Republic of Ireland about our own man and not to get the hype train going too much but uh, Evan Ferguson yeah. and, and look there are these constant links we had John O'Shea on a road show with us recently and he, he was suggesting he might potentially break Robbie Keane's goal scoring record at, at senior international level which is a big thing to say um, where, where do you think Evan Ferguson can go what, what's the ceiling for him well Shazy knows him because Shazy's involved a bit more um, and if he's saying that um, that means we've got a, a hell of a centre forward on our hands because Robbie Keane was a brilliant player um, it's an area we've been lacking for a number of years now um, a lot of our goals have come from centre halves and from set pieces um, great at it he's at a really good club he's learning the trade there not just in goal scoring but the way he links up as well I think the manager at Brighton encourages uh, as much football to be played as possible in a different kind of style um, but yeah he's he's going to be under so much pressure as a young lad here particularly here for Ireland in Brighton I think he'd be fine um, but with Ireland you know, he's the one that we've been waiting for and uh, got a couple of big games ahead of us now uh, and let, let's hope that he scores but very high praise from Shazy because he's seen a lot of good centre forwards and Robbie Keane was a great centre forward he's banging the goals and scored one the other night in that great, soccer aid yeah. great goal in off, the, in off the post he can still score you never, you never lose that he didn't do the cartwheel did he? I didn't see that, I don't know. Do a mini, mini cartwheel maybe for a man of his age. Oh, he did do the cartwheel, that's uh, shots fired. Sorry. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna be getting... What was it? You're going to be getting in trouble, he totally did the cartwheel. Full blown, like? Yeah. Not a, like a little tailor back version? No, he did the <laughs> rollover, it's, it's, I mean... Slower bit, probably, than, than it I used mean, to be. look, why, why are you an ageist prick? <laughs> I don't know, because I'm young, because I'm still f- fresh. And you're not, though. You're, like, okay, you're get up there and do a cartwheel. We'll get Emma to yeah, throw on. the I whole actually, thing on the frame. Do a, I can't do well, a cartwheel. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, Robbie. Apologies, Robbie. Man uh, in the arena, not you. <laughs> I hadn't seen your... Uh, oh, what happened when you scored a hat-trick that one time for Monaghan Town? Yeah, probably against some... Uh, sorry, Robbie's probably scored his goal past uh, an actor from The Only Way is Essex. It was soccer Go goal, Tom. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not that he was. Anyway, the most important point: uh, <laughs> Dennis Irwin was there, kind of. You know, well, if that's what Shazy says, he's obviously seen a lot of them. Why are we talking? Why are you talking him up, John? Why are you? Do you know? Let yeah. the, a lot of pressure on him, especially here with Ireland. But um, he did say, Irwin did say there he's the player we've been waiting on. Ah, oh, totally. We, we, there's nothing else. Um, so tell me, uh, he does look like he's in good shape. 
Dennis. Yeah. Oh, proper neck. I think he's 57. Happy to put on the jersey. So that's absolutely. Of course, he was plugging the, the United Athletic Bilbao uh, friendly match for later in the summer, August 6th. And um, They don't really need to plug that, do they? I suspect that's going to sell out yeah, straight away. Surely. Um, and the ticket price, I think, ranging from 35 to 85 for that match, depending on where you want to sit. Um, but yeah, it's one of those games you don't really have to plug. He's got a lovely gig, doesn't he? Like as ambassador for the club, just going around and doing all these. It doesn't mean he can't tell you what he really thinks about certain things because he obviously is a club employee. True, true. If you listen to the full interview, like he's, he is though quite, uh, albeit he can't say certain things. He's quite interesting on uh, on Ten Hag um, and, and the signings he made last year and and how per the club were the season before last. Ah, oh. um, like which is with Solskjaer. Yeah, the season they finished sixth. Uh, but not just six. It was just performance-wise. He said it just wasn't, wasn't anywhere near good enough. Um, but he, but he was he, like even even his memories of of Ruman with Roy Keane. He spoke because Roy Keane has spoken in the past about Ruman at club level and international level with uh, Dennis Irwin, and he said he was annoying because he used to. Dennis always wanted to t- turn on the the golf, and I put this to, to Dennis Irwin, and he said, "Well, Roy was just mad to watch Coronation Street." <laughs> so he's thrown Roy under a bus there, because I thought Roy was a, more of a rugby league man or. Bit of other sport, but you kind of see him enjoying something like Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah, you know, just everyone kind of shouting the drama. There's plenty of things for him to give off about and be like, "What is he doing?" Mm. So once he said it, I was like, "That makes sense." That Roy would be into Coronation Street, I think. Um, but he, he was he, even his memories of that treble team in in '99, um, and like just his his whole story about signing for United uh, was was incredible. Like six hundred twenty five thousand pounds from from Leeds. Um, I'm sorry, from Oldham. He was a trainee at Leeds. Um, but he's just, he's one of those players that you look back on. I was at his, I told him yesterday, I was at his 500th appearance for United, which was Paddy's Day 2001 at Old Trafford against Leicester. And like you think of all the trophies he's won um, in that red jersey. Like he was he was a veteran by the time the, the Champions League final in 1999 came around. I think he was 33 or 4. So he said he was able to appreciate it more maybe than some of the younger players. But then you look at Jack Grealish and he's appreciating the... Well, he didn't play well. No, he didn't play well, of course. Uh, and Irwin missed the FA Cup final in that treble year as well against Newcastle through injury um, I think we have a clip as well which which kind of sums up and it's done reasonably well on the social media as well for anyone who hasn't seen the full interview it's obviously up on youtube.com uh, forward slash off the ball but I guess that question of was Irwin rated was he underrated was he appreciated is he appreciated more now than he was back then so I put that question to Dennis have a look more appreciated as a, as a footballer now than maybe you were at, at the time because y- y- I know you were obviously appreciated back then I remember being at your, your 500th appearance I think it was for United at, it was Paddy's Day 2001 yeah, against Leicester yeah. I remember being at Old Trafford that day and think this is amazing to have an Irish player who's made this number of ca- uh, appearances you, you regularly appear now in, in, in all time 11s for, for both club and country so do you feel like maybe now you're, you're more appreciated as, as, as opposed to how you were during your career I, I think when I played I, I was in a bit of a bubble uh, I just wanted to do the very best I could for the amount of years I played so you, you kind of block out a lot of noises uh, and just get on with it um, and I think it's only when you, you, you come away from that and and particularly these days now they have so many polls and, and different things going on that obviously my name keeps getting resurfaced and all that which is brilliant because <laughs> um, and fans you know, come up to you even whether you're abroad even on holiday and you know so thanks for the memories and all that but it was a, when I look back and it was a great time to be not just you know, a Manchester United player I, I, I was a Wolves player growing up mm. to finish two years with them and also to, to have like nine or ten great years with Ireland as well it was a great time to be a footballer from my point of view we didn't see it as a job um, you know I, uh, I had great people around me players we had, we had good fun under great managers and uh 
Uh, it was just a great time, but it's good to look back on it now. Uh, I was not one for watching matches for years and years, um, but obviously there's that many matches come on now, you're kind of forced to watch it. But yeah, I probably appreciate it now, 20 years down the line than I did when I played. But the pro- that's probably my fault as well. <laughs> yeah, he is definitely more appreciated. There's been yeah. a, a revision of his standing in the game. Yeah, and he, like as I said to him there, he's in he's in all these all time elevens for for club and for United and Ireland, and I think right rightfully so. It's hard to oust him from that left back position. Patrice uh, Emery was pretty good. Yeah, he was decent. Do you think Just, there's anyone playing now that will be the same, particularly on a United front? Mm. Kind of tough with the teams they've had over the last couple of years, uh, but like Rashford has a chance, right? If he stays and. Was to have the, yeah. that burst of form that he had this year extended out over uh, in the all time eleven periods. Yeah, like maybe. sorry, the, I, I, I mean, is Irwin all time or is Irwin Premier League? Because obviously, all time has Charlton best in law in it. True, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it squeeze other people in, well, he's certainly in the Premier League era. Like he's arguably in the in the Premier League eleven, isn't he? Since ninety two. Um, I don't. I haven't seen. That, I haven't come back and looked at the yeah. competition for it. I don't know, like the left back position, he appears a lot. Ashley Cole is obviously someone who probably appears in plenty of them. Um, yeah, and again, there is that Irish perspective. We probably do throw Irwin into a lot of these things, but, but I mean, he d- he deserves it. You look at his career; he was at Leeds from '83 to '86. Then he had the four years with Oldham before he went to Old Trafford. Twelve years at Manchester United, and then he finished his career with uh, three uh, three seasons at Wolves, so two to oh four. Like and excelled at Gaelic football and hurling as a kid. Like played at Croke Park more than one occasion. I think he he once marked Niall Quinn in a match. Did he? At Croke Park. Uh, it must have been a similar vintage, yeah. Uh, I remember hearing that story before. I'll have to look that up. Um but he's just he doesn't he doesn't look fifty seven, Dennis, even now, like he's 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 a great nick. Um and of course he was feeling a little bit downbeat at Pep Guardiola in the, the week that Manchester City have just had. Um and as he said, it's hard to compare those two eras. Like Quinn's fifty six. Yeah, similar similar vintage. Um and even discussing Pep Guardiola and Alex Ferguson's legacy, he was he was keen to stress these are two very different managers of two very different eras. And he's probably right. It's probably a tired argument, and it's one that I've probably asked guests about. And and yet it is tired. It like there probably is no point comparing the City team of of now to the. I mean, there's no point in anything. No shame. We're all going to die in a burning <laughs> conflagration. So that's a fair point. At the same time, there's a, a long show to fill every morning. Wow. So asking some stupid sports questions is actually a totally legitimate way to spend your time in this earth. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's fair. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're not wrong. Definitely not wrong. We'd all have to quit the next like hour if we believe that wasn't true. Though, to be fair, he was also <laughs> he, he discussed Derek Cantona and just what it was like to share a dressing room with him. And like I heard someone else asking him off air then afterwards about Derek Cantona is doing a a one man show in Dublin this this year. Or he's, I think he's it's in the Liberty Hall where he's singing and performing music and. I'm so fascinated by this. It's uh, Dennis was unaware and he said he's singing. Like Dennis said, he'd never heard him sing. I, I said to someone yesterday, um, I would pay probably upwards of 100 quid to go into a room of a few hundred f- uh, people and watch Eric Cantona walk on stage, put his collar up, say the Seagulls line, and then just stand there for an hour and a half and milk the applause. I'd probably pay upwards of 100 quid. Because that's, that's performance, isn't it? It's um, just to see his facial expressions. He's one of those fascinating sports people I would literally pay to just watch and do nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 44 of Football Fans Are Weird. <laughs> I was going to say, you kind of half sound like every 
City fan or every just general football fan on Twitter the last couple of days being like, oh, Jack Grealish, what a lad. Or else the deranged Arsenal fans who were saying that Mikel Arteta is encouraging all the team to settle down and marry their partners so that they won't have a playboy lifestyle next year and they'll just concentrate on winning the Premier League. And like these were tweets going around with like 40, 50,000 likes. And I was like, who comes up with this? How strange can you get as a football fan? So we've encouraged them to get married or, or have kids or both? Uh, just to settle down. Settle. Just settle down. Because I think a couple of them got married. Obviously, it's the off-season. It's probably the only time they actually have in a very, very packed calendar to do these sort of things. Mm. And all the fans are like, oh, yeah, elite mentality. Arteta is like next level thinking of this. And I was like, you're really clutching for straws. I thought when the dog was bad with this this definitely takes the biscuit. Mm. This was a traditional trope in the 80s. Alex Ferguson would have been a big advocate of the players settling down and encouraging them to get married at 2021 so that then they can have a divorce at 30 or 32 whenever their football career ends. It's like one of the reasons why football uh, footballers have that massive um, and sports people generally have that massive divorce rate. But it was a real thing. It was definitely like uh, the... Um, because I think a lot of I think a lot of the not Ferguson but a lot of the managers would have been big drinkers themselves and realised that like you know this is a bad thing and one of the things that stops them is a, a marriage and kids and responsibility and that was how the, the thing went so and of course he had Ted had obviously has decided to desert and sorry I wasn't quite sure from the way the story was told if this was true that Arteta had oh, said like this there is that, no there is absolutely no proof of it whatsoever it's literally just that three or four of them got married in the last couple of weeks or got engaged and fans just took this as it wasn't even a news line it was just fans being like okay yes we're away mm. it's like this it, is why we're going to win the Premier League next year and I was like I think we need to do a little bit more <laughs> elite mentality it's funny how like and Alex Ferguson had the issue then with David Beckham and uh, getting into a relationship and then married with the, the most famous pop star in the UK at the time that's and the opposite of settling down though but then ironically it, they have become the most solid celebrity couple possibly in the world um Bex? Do you follow the news, Shane? Well, I mean, they're they're still together, aren't they? They've raked kids. Okay. I don't I don't follow their personal <laughs> lifestyle. Like I'm not into the salacious, juicy details. Maybe you are, Jeremy. You've never heard of Rebecca Luce? Of course, yes, yes. Okay. But let's I mean. move on quickly because this is a sports <laughs> show. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.